Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus and chapter number 8. The book of Exodus and chapter number 8. We're walking through the life and ministry of Moses. And as we're walking through here, we've watched as God has called this 80-year-old man to be used of God to see God's people be free. And he's already stood before Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And Pharaoh initially said, nope, if you got got time to worship and think about gods, then you need more work. And so he made the work increase for them. Of course, that was a setback. And, but yet God used that setback to allow Moses to go seek for God. And God revealed more of himself to Moses. Now with Moses having a clearer picture of who God is, he stands before Pharaoh again. And with the idea that Pharaoh let my people go. And Pharaoh said, who is this God? And Moses said, all right, show him Aaron, throws down a staff. And it turned to a snake. And again, we've watched as Pharaoh, man, there is something about him. He's got a spine made out of steel because he didn't jerk. He didn't run. He didn't cry. He just looked at him and said, so. Then the next morning, he's getting ready to go swim outside and bathe in the Nile River. He's out there. You could see him with his swim clothes on, a towel, ready to get into it. Moses and Aaron stop by and tell him, Hey, listen, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no. And so they put the staff over the water and all the water turns to blood. And again, Pharaoh just shrugs his shoulders and walks inside. And for seven days, the people were looking for water. I bet there was a lot of thirsty people then. Now, I don't know how it happened. The Bible doesn't explain. Maybe just eventually the water pushed all the stuff Maybe God just overnight just allowed the stuff to return. The Bible doesn't say we're left in our own imaginations. But now, God sends Moses back to Pharaoh. He's given some Pharaoh some time to make a decision, and Pharaoh hasn't made the right decision. And so now, once again, let's pick it up in Exodus chapter 8, and see as Moses stands before Pharaoh once again. Notice with me in Exodus chapter 8. Notice with me in verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. And if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. And the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into thy house, and into thy bedchamber, and upon thy bed, And into the house of thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thine ovens, and into thy kneading trowels. And the frogs shall come up both on thee, and upon thy people, and upon all thy servants. And Moses spake unto and the Lord spoke unto Moses, say unto Aaron, Stretch forth thy hand with thy rod over the streams, over the rivers, and over the ponds, and cause the frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. 
And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up the frogs upon the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the the people go that they may sacrifice unto the Lord. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me, when shall I entreat? For thee, for thy servants, and for thy people, to destroy the frogs from thee, and the houses, that they may remain in the river only. And he said, Tomorrow. And he said, Be it according to thy word, that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. And the frogs shall depart from thee, and from thy houses, and from thy servants, and from the river, and shall remain in the river only. And Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried unto the Lord because of the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, out of the fields, or villages, and out of the fields, and they gathered them together upon heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart, and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark just a phrase that Pharaoh responds about when to get rid of the frogs in Exodus chapter number 8 and verse number 10. Notice just the simple phrase, tomorrow. Tomorrow. And with this, we'll change the title some. One more night with the stinking frogs. One more night with the frogs. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And I thank you that you are a great God who wants us to be right with you. And you provide the way for us to be right with you. But yet so often we ignore it. So often that we try to do things our own self and we try to muddle through. And we live with our own consequences and we live with the filth of sin. Lord, I'm asking that you would help us to have a clear understanding of the story and the principle that we teach, that you teach from this, that we can apply it in our own lives. In Jesus' name, amen. As we start off here, we want to see this, that first of all, God's word of warning. God's word of warning. So in Exodus chapter 8, verse 1, God's telling... (laughs) um, Moses, I want you to go before Pharaoh and I want you to tell him some things. Now, it starts in verse 5 where the frogs come, but we have the understanding that what God told him is what happened, is what Pharaoh uh, was told by Moses. Notice this word of warning in verse number 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. All right, so clear statement. Here's a command. Let my people go for the purpose that they serve God. That's what we want you to do. That is what God has given you a commandment for. And if you do not obey the commandment, there's going to be consequences. Verse number two. And if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. And the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come unto thine house and into thy bedchamber and upon thy bed and into the house of thy servants and upon thy people into the iron ovens and into the kneading troughs. And the frogs shall come up both on thee and upon thy people and upon all thy servants. So what we see here 
is God's word of warning. You know, God isn't a mean God where we have to guess what he wants. God clearly declares in his word what he wants. He clearly states there's commandments, there's principles, there's things that he gives us throughout his word. He also lets us know that there's consequences for it. For example, for the wages of sin is death. The word wage carries the idea of reward or payment. The wages of sin. Sin is any time that we've disobeyed God's command. For the wages or reward that we deserve because we sin, because we've broken God's command, is death. And the Bible goes on and explains that, that death is this separation from God. Of course, if we continue in that death, when we die, there's only two places to go. A wonderful place called heaven or an awful place called hell. But do you know that the Bible is very clear that every time we sin against God, there's a consequence every time. And that one of the main consequences is that it puts something in between us and the Lord. Now, when you're saved, meaning you've come to the place where you've realized that you're a sinner and because of your sin that you've offended a holy, righteous God, but that Jesus died for you and there was a time where you personally accepted Christ as your Savior, when you are saved, you'll never owe God the penalty of hell ever again. So we're not worried about our relationship, meaning that that my children will always be my children. But what we need to work on with God is our fellowship. For example, if um, my son decided he was going to get sideways with me one time and said, listen here, old man, I'm tired of your rules. I'm tired of who you are. And he slaps me across the face. Our relationship does not change. He's still my son. But our fellowship at that moment has now altered. And there's going to be consequences for that until there's reconciliation. When we're with God, our relationship does not change. We will always be his child. He'll never disown us. He'll never divorce us. He'll never uh, uh, disadopt us. He'll never send us away. That relationship is permanent. So as believers, we work hard on keeping that fellowship right. And sin gets in the way of fellowship. And there are consequences for our action. By the way... Different sins have different consequences. God hates all sin. So there's no such thing as big sins or little sins. There's no such thing as cardinal sins or venial sins. All sin has consequences and puts a barrier between us and God. However, there are some sins that have more consequences than others. We understand that. But all sin has consequences. All sin is against God. All sin has consequences. And God gives us a warning. We don't have to guess. Say, which, what am I supposed to do? What am I not supposed to do? God says, here's an entire book. Because I love you. So that way you know. So the Bible says, thou shall not bear false witness. Don't tell lies. Guess what God means? Don't tell lies. That's pretty simple, isn't it? And so God's not trying to be difficult. He's not trying to make things unobtainable. He said, this is it. And by the way, if you tell a lie, then there's a barrier between you and God. Now, if you're saved, you don't owe God the debt of sin ever again, or hell, the debt of hell ever again. But there is something in between you and the Lord, and you need to get it fixed, so that way you could have a good fellowship. But all sin has consequences. And God is giving this word of warning to Pharaoh. Listen here. Obey God's word 
or there's going to be consequences. In this specific case, if you do not let my people go, I'm going to send frogs. And they're going to come everywhere. And they're going to come and mass. They're going to be in the midst of everything. That's what's going to happen. Now, the Bible doesn't go back and let repeat the information. But it's implied because of Pharaoh's previous responses that he said no. So it doesn't have recorded that Pharaoh said no. All we say is, Moses, go tell Pharaoh. And then in verse 5, we can see something else. The consequences of disobeying God's word. The consequences of disobeying God's word. So in verse number 5, after Pharaoh has disobeyed, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch forth thy hand with thy rod over the streams, over the rivers, and over the ponds, to cause the frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. Now, what has happened before? Remember that the Red Sea had turned into blood. Seven days it was turned into blood, and then the fresh water started to come. Again, we don't know how it happened. The Bible doesn't explain it. It doesn't go through. But now we come to the place where there's new water. If anybody's ever lived out in the country, you understand brand new rain, brand new stuff. The frogs start coming. So after seven days, new fresh water has come. The ponds are now filled up. The lakes are filled up. The rivers are now filled back up. And the frogs have come back in. You can just imagine them riveting all over the place at night. And people are probably saying, I missed that sound. Seven, seven days of silence because no fish were in the, the, uh, in the river. Everything that was in there died. Oh, now we hear the, the frogs back. Yes. And you know what God is doing is that he's already multiplying the frogs. He's already preparing them and having them ready as the fresh water has come. We don't know how much time has spent past in between the Red Sea or between the uh, Nile River uh, being turned to blood and being cleared up to this time. We know that the this 10 plagues just didn't happen right away, but there was some space in between some of this as God is preparing and God is working and as he is moving. But now the frogs have been prepared. And so Aaron is instructed to stretch forth his hand with a rod and verse number six and Aaron stretched forth his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt frogs came up from everywhere they came from the streams they came from the rivers they came from the ponds they came from everywhere the frogs covered the land and there was nowhere to step that a frog wasn't there The frogs went inside of the houses. Notice with me in verse 3 with the description. And the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into thy house, and into thy bedchamber, and upon thy bed, and into the house of thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thy ovens, and into thy kneading troughs. So can you imagine you wake up in the morning, and you hear the little ribbits? Oh, the frogs are out. And then you open your door. Frogs are everywhere. And you open the door and the frogs start jumping in your house. And you open your bedroom door and the frogs jump in your bedroom door. And they jump in your bed. Now I know that little kids love frogs. And something about little kids taking that little frog and mom look at what I have. And mom goes oh what are you doing put that away. But this is like a little kid's dream. I can imagine these little kids running around frogs everywhere you know the mom says to the kid nowadays take that frog i don't want him in the house 
What do you do when you open it up and they just plunge into your house? Frogs are everywhere. So you're in there eating your cereal in the morning. And the frog's staring at you. Ribbit, ribbit. And there's frogs over there. And frogs over there. And the frog jumps into your bowl of cereal. What do I do now? You go walking to school. And there are frogs everywhere. You try to sit at your desk and the frogs are bouncing around at you. Would you like that, kids? The frogs bouncing all over the place. You try to go home and the frogs are in your path. You try to drink something from a glass and the frogs are jumping in your glass. Frogs are everywhere. Oh, but then the fun starts. You go to bed at night. I've had a hard day with the frogs. And you get under the sheets and pull the blankets over. And all of a sudden, your blankets start to move. Frogs start jumping all over you. The slimy frogs, the warty frogs, the rough frogs. You could feel the smooth skin of them. Some of them jump and kind of hit the blanket and fall backwards on you. You can feel them rough. They're in your ear, ribbiting, just staring at you. Wake up and their eyeballs are just staring at you. They're everywhere. Good night, sleep there, right? I mean, you open the blanket, toss out a couple frogs, and more frogs jump in. You capture them, pull them out, and the frogs are everywhere. You try to go to the restroom, and they're jumping all over the place. You're looking in the mirror, trying to brush your hair, and they're all in everything. Anything, in everything. If it's open, the frogs are jumping in. They're jumping in everywhere. Now, what makes it worse is that the Egyptians, as I explained before, were very religious people. Everything had religion. Waking up in the morning had religion. There was a ceremony for going to bed. There was a ceremony for doing anything you did during the day. And frogs were actually an important part of their religion. That people worship frogs as the goddess Het. And she represented new life and fertility, as frogs are known to do. And her priestesses were often trained as midwives. And so for the Egyptians, it was illegal to kill a frog. Because to kill a frog would be to offend the fertility goddess. And what would happen is that it would invite infertility or death during childbirth. So you don't want to make her mad. And for very religious people who very much believe, I cannot offend this goddess, this is a problem. Because just taking a step is crunchy. They're everywhere. They're a nuisance. They're a bother. Everywhere you turn, there's a frog. If the fro there's a little crack in the door, the frog is getting in. But what makes it worse, notice again in verse number 3 at the end of it, where God is telling them what's going to happen. He said, the frogs, I'll bring forth the frogs abundantly, which shall go up into thy house and into thy bedchamber. Nice to be in bed. And upon thy bed, and into the house of the servants, and upon thy people, and into thy ovens. Well, you still got to eat. You got to cook the food. So you open it up to put the lasagna in, and the frogs jump in. Well, you had the oven preheated. Back then they had fire going. It's not like you could go rescue the frogs as they're jumping into their death into the fiery furnace. 
This many people probably got burnt trying to get them out, get out. But notice this, not only in the ovens, into thy kneading trowels. So can you imagine you're baking bread because you have to bake bread fresh every day. You're starting to knead the bread. And the frog jumps into the bread mix. Now you're kneading frog bread. No matter what you cook, no matter what you do, you're going to put a pizza in the oven. I'm sure they had pizzas back then. You open it up and the frogs are jumping to your pizza. Frogs are everywhere. There was nowhere you could go where there wasn't a frog somewhere. And for those of you who have trouble being in the country listening to crickets all night, to listen to a whole land full of frogs ripping and have them crawling all over you and staring at you and jumping all over you. And by the way, they're more active at night. I'm sure that a lot of people didn't get a lot of good sleep. To have the frogs in bed with you. I almost wish I had frogs here. That way you could pet them during the service here. and Just kind of feel them. and uh, Kids would like that. To have the frogs everywhere. The frogs when you're trying to sleep. The frogs bouncing around. They're in your hair. They're in your clothes. They're everywhere you go. There's no escaping the frogs. To have the frogs nestled up close to you. To be bundled up with you. This is a problem. So. What are the Egyptians going to do about it? Alright we'll take care of this. We'll show them that God doesn't have power over us. Verse number 7. And the magicians did so with their enchantments. And brought up frogs from the land of Egypt. So they brought in more frogs. We're going to show that God doesn't have power. We're going to make the problem worse. By the way that always happens. When God gives us a commandment and we break the commandment and there's consequences in our life, but we try to fix it ourselves, we try to fix the consequences and not the problem in the first place, we make things worse. We compound it. We add to the problem. Our forcing the issue makes the consequences more. For example, let's say that someone lied. They lied and they got in trouble. You know what happens? We usually lie to cover up that lie. Maybe you had an action that you performed. You did something. No one likes to admit they messed up. Did you break that? No. Well, who did? I don't know if you grew up and had the invisible man in our house, but the invisible man was so prevalent in our house that the kids named him. It's so-and-so. It's Sabisky's fault that's his name Sabisky how did I say it Sabiki Sabiki the invisible man he's the one who did it I'm sure that never happened in your place but you know (laughs) something breaks well you don't want to admit it and so you make the problem worse by lying about it is that usually how we fix it we try to cover it up does that take care of the problem no what it does is compound it we make it worse And that's exactly what happened. God gave a command. They disobeyed. Now there's consequences. And instead of fixing the problem to take care of the consequences, they took took matters in their own hands and made it worse. And now there's more frogs. Yeah, that really showed God. They didn't show God at all. God says, it's fine. Help yourself. They didn't offer solutions. They just added problems. 
So now we come to the third thing. We started off with the idea of God's word of warning, that he gave a warning. You obey or there's consequences. We saw next of all consequences of disobeying God's word. And now there are frogs everywhere. But then we see this third thing here. When Pharaoh planned on responding to God's word. When Pharaoh planned on responding to God's word. Notice in verse 8. Then Pharaoh called for Moses. That was probably a humbling act too. The magicians try to fix things. People have been trying to get rid of frogs for a day, two days, three days, however long it was. People have been trying to get frogs out. You could see the little lady. I could see it in my mind. She's taking a broom and sweeping out the frogs while more frogs are jumping in. Everything they're trying hasn't worked. There are frogs everywhere. People have been sleeping with the frogs. They've been jumping everywhere. People haven't been eating well. They haven't been sleeping well. The frogs are a problem. And they've tried everything they could to fix it. Finally, Pharaoh, he calls for Moses. He brings in Moses. So he's at a breaking place. He's at a place where he's bending some. I've done everything I can. I guess I'll talk to the preacher and see if the preacher can help. Good start. And Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, entreat the Lord. So he said, go pray for me. Pray for me. Beg the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people. And I will let the people go and I will sacrifice. Moses, preacher, if you pray for me and ask God to take away these consequences, I'll obey God. Well, that sounds like a good response. Notice Moses was excited. Verse number 9. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, glory over me. He said, bless God. Oh, hallelujah. That's great. Pharaoh, you're finally responding well. This is great. Amen. He's getting excited. He says, when shall I entreat for thee and for thy servants and for thy people to destroy the frogs from thee and thy houses that he may remove? All right, Pharaoh, when are you going to obey? All right. God will be glad to get rid of these frogs When are you planning on obeying? When are you planning on responding to God? When are you planning to get these fixed so the consequences can get away? And he said, tomorrow. You know, he could have asked God to get rid of them now. Lord, I want to get right with you now. I'll... Let God send away all the stuff. I'll let the people go. They can start packing right now. Let's take care of this right here now. But instead, he said, let's take care of this tomorrow. I plan on responding to you tomorrow. One more night with the stinking frogs. One more night in sin. I had a terrible time with them last night. And I just want to do it again. It'd always be a puzzle to me. And the way that he responds, he could have had sleep, rest in peace. But he wanted one more night with the frogs. One more night with the stinking frogs. You know, so many people come to this. They have consequences in their life. You know what sin does is sin makes us dirty. Now, you could be saved and still play in the mud. You could still be saved and after being saved, continue to sin and get dirty with God. You know what you need? You need a bath. You need to get clean. This is why 1 John 1, 9 is in the Bible. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But instead of getting right at the moment, he said, I'll do it tomorrow. 
I want to get right with God later. You know what he's saying? I'll get with God right I'll get right with God later, but for now I'm not. You know whenever someone says I'll respond to God later, I'll obey later, what they're telling God is that I will not obey you now. That is so dangerous. By the way, that's where you start to get that hardened heart that Pharaoh was suffering through. Sure, I understand I need to obey God. I'll do it later. I know that there's consequences in my sin. And I know that there's things falling apart in my life. And I know I should get right with God, but I'll do it later. Why wouldn't you want the frogs gone? Why wouldn't you want to be clean? Why do you want to sleep in your own filth? Why do you want to stay in that condition? You don't have to. You know God has made it so you don't have to go through a ritual or a big ordeal to get right with God. The Bible says, if thy confess. That's all you have to do is confess. The word confess, some people misunderstand that. You are not telling on yourself. You are agreeing with God with what he already knows. I've given the illustration before of a drunkard who came in. And um, the preacher was dealing and gave salvation and and tried to preach. And at the end, the drunkard came up, uh, drunk currently. And so the preacher started uh, talking with him. And the guy says, will you pray for me? And so the preacher said, let's pray now. And he says, God, you know how this man showed up drunk? And the guy said, don't tell God. He doesn't need to know that. God already knows. When you confess, you're not telling on yourself. That's why a lot of people have a hard time confessing their sins is because they have an imagination that they're going telling God something he doesn't know. He knows it all. It is you. He wants you to agree with him that there is something wrong in your life. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Why wouldn't you want God to start repairing the consequences? Why wouldn't you want God to wash you clean? Why would you want to put that off? Why would you want one more night with the frogs? Imagine that. Here's a choice. Get right with God or have more frogs staring at you at night. Get right with God or have frogs chirping at you all night. Get right with God or have the frogs jumping around in your bed. All night long. Why would you choose the frogs. Rather than get right with God. By the way. Man doesn't change. A preacher could preach a message like this. And someone can have consequences in their life. And they said. That sounds good. I need to get right with God. I can tell I need to get right with God. There's consequences in my life. I'll do it later. Why Wouldn't you want to be clean? Why wouldn't you want to be right with God? Why wouldn't you want God to have things fixed in your life? Why wouldn't you want the process of this healing? Why would you purposely choose one more night with the frogs? Moses could have called them away immediately. But they didn't. Do it tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll think about getting right with God. And he put it off. What happened because he put it off? Well, notice in verse 10, and he said tomorrow, and he said, Moses said, be it according to thy word that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. Moses said, even now, because you said tomorrow, God's going to get rid of him tomorrow because he wants you to know that there is a real God. 
It's not an imaginary God. This this didn't happen by happenstance. God wants you to know that this was from him. So God's going to remove all the frogs. And the frogs shall depart from thee and from thy houses and from thy servants and from thy people. And they shall remain in the river only. And Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh. And Moses cried unto the Lord because of the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And the frogs died out in the houses and in the village and out in the fields. And they gathered them together upon heaps and the land stank. Can you imagine this? Sweeping dead frogs out, picking dead frogs out of your cereal, cleaning your bed and getting the dead frog. I mean, it was one thing when they're alive. Now you got to clean up the mess. By the way, there's always a mess left over because of sin. And they're cleaning up and they have these big piles of frogs, dead frogs. And they began to stink after they were cleaning them all out. You imagine that stench. But notice what happened to Pharaoh, verse 15. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, meaning that there was a, a, a break in this judgment, the consequences were relieved, he hardened his heart and hearkened not to them as the Lord said. What happened here? He did not make a choice to respond to God immediately. He said, I'll do it later. And when the consequences lessened up just a bit, his heart began to be hardened because he already said no to God. Now there's a thing, well, I don't have to get right with God. They fixed on themselves. People do this all the time. Preacher, things are falling apart. Help me, help me. Go take the Bible. This is what you need to get right. Will you get right? I plan on doing that a little bit later. Consequences open up just a bit. Well, things cleared up. I don't have to get right with God I can go back to the way I used to live. And their heart begins to be hardened. What we see here is the danger. The danger of not responding to God immediately. This is why we state over and over. The most important part of a church service is the invitation. Because at the invitation we are either going to say yes I agree with you God. Or no I will not. Someone says, but isn't there the third choice that I'll obey God eventually? No. Either you obey God right now or you don't obey God right now. It's, if you say I'll obey God later, you are telling God no now. I don't know how many times I've seen people who were convicted of sin. Who were white knuckling the pew. They're holding on to the pew because if they let go, they're going to go down and they're going to get saved and they don't want to get saved. Oh Lord, they're fighting with God. I don't understand why they would do it. And they're white knuckling it and just holding on and God's drawing them. Many times my job as an assistant to the pastor, they called me the stalker and I was, my job was to be in the back and I was to be praying someone and I saw them white knuckling. My job was to come up, put my arm around them and say, you know what? I'm so glad that you came today. Can I pray for you? And see if they'll let go of the pew. And as soon as they let go, they come down and we open up the Bible and show them right then and there. But to watch people white knuckling, watch them shaking and just to watch them under such conviction. And if they could just hold off. So many times, no, no, I won't get, no, no, I'll do it later, I'll do it later. And what happens is that their heart begins hardening and they may never get pulled, convicted, drawn as they were that moment. The Bible gives us a clear commandment that we're supposed to call upon the Lord why he is near. We may never get that opportunity of God's drawing again. 
But there, because there's a hardness of heart. If the preacher preaches something and he mentions something that you need to get right. I need to read my Bible more. I need to pray more. I need to get this fixed. I need to confess this. And you say, I'll do it later. Your heart's going to be hardened. And it's going to be harder for you to obey the next time. It's going to be harder for you to give in. We need to keep our hearts tender with God. We need to keep short accounts with God, confess to God. And we need to respond that if God speaks to us, we say yes, right then and there. Because why would we want to spend one more night with the stinking frogs? Why would we want to spend one more night in the filthiness that comes because of sin? Why would we want one more night of the consequences pounding upon us when we don't have to? It's just as simple as responding to who God is. Is. One more night with the stinking frogs. One more night with sin. I had a terrible time with them last night. And I just want to do it again. It will always be a puzzle to me. Just to think how it goes. He could have rest. He could have had a good night's sleep. Rest in peace. But he wanted one more night with the frogs. What about you? Are you in the habit of responding to God? Are you in the habit of saying yes to him? Or do you find yourself finding excuses of why you won't obey? Why you won't listen? Coming up and say, that's a good plan, but I'll do that later. Let me tell you, that's very dangerous. And you don't have to. When God makes it so easy for you to respond to him. He's already done the work. He's reaching out his hand. All you have to do is take it and accept the forgiveness, the cleansing, getting right with him, allowing him to start working the consequences and get rid of them. Why wouldn't you? Why would you choose one more night in sin, one more night with a stinking frogs? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.